I want you to take your Bible. I'm going to teach you something tonight. If you'll practice this, it'll surprise you what it'll do for you. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're talk, we talked about worship last week. Tonight we're going to talk about warfare worship. How that worship becomes warfare. And how you battle in the spirit realm with it. By now you ought to be tired of what demons are doing to you. I've got to help you understand what they're doing to you. And uh, pray all you want to. But we're going to talk tonight about getting, getting free, getting rid of them. Um, I want you, we're just going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where we're going to look at something there. But let me say this before we do. The, we talked last week about heart worship, heart worship. Now remember, we had to distinguish. We're not talking about church music. We're not talking about contemporary Christian music or those old hymns. We're talking about this heart right here, rearing back saying, you are wonderful. We're talking about praising God out of the heart. That's what I mean by heart worship. Don't confuse it with music, although you can use music. We do that too. All right. We saw that worship had two purposes last week. One of them is to bless God. He hears it and it blesses him. We saw that in Luke 17 where the man was healed and he came back and he fell down and he worshiped God. And you can see where it meant something to Jesus that this man came back and said, thank you. Worship blesses God. We also saw in Ephesians 5 that worship draws the Holy Spirit to me. And worship fills me with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking, singing, making melody in your heart and giving thanks in there so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the third purpose of worship we're going to look at tonight is warfare. Worship is, does battle in the spirit realm. It causes things to happen. Now, dear listen to me. We have got to start taking this book serious and believing what it says. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. But with principalities, and this is Ephesians 6, principalities and powers of darkness in the air around us. And there's a spiritual war going on around us. And listen to me carefully. It is intensifying. It's intensifying in the earth right now. The Bible prophesied in a few places, darkness in the latter days. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. And it's, it's intensifying. You've probably sensed it intensifying in your own life. And this worship, uh, this, excuse me, this warfare is all around us. And it, it, here's where it affects. It affects your mind. It gets in your mind. It gets in your emotions. And it gets in your spirit. And it get, it's in the culture. I don't know if you, uh, they didn't have a Super Bowl this year. They had a little consolation game Sunday. <laughs> but I saw, I think I saw in the news who was going to be doing the Super Bowl halftime show. That's pathetic that a man who espouses killing police can be paid by Pepsi to be on a halftime show. I'm off the soapbox. Now, I said, I'm going to watch a little bit of that because I want to see what the dog is doing. Let me tell you something. That was demonic. There was a demonic presence on that stage up there. I mean, it's in the... Now we're... We used to get rid of it. Now we cheer for it. It's in the atmosphere. All right, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> it's in the culture also. But I want you to look at me in 2 Corinthians 10... And listen to what your father says to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, let's look in verse 4. The weapons of our warfare. Now just stop right there. Why would he say something like that? When the Bible tells you the weapons of our warfare, what's God saying to you? I mean, can't, you'd have to be deaf not to hear that there's a, there's a war going on. And that, that he has given you what? Weapons for this war. Weapons for this warfare. Let's, let's finish reading this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But now carnal, that means natural. Human, it's just something human. You know, psychological or whatever. Cheer up. Suck it up. That, it's not natural. 
but they're mighty in God. There was there, there are powerful weapons he has given you because of what you're facing. And look what they'll do. They will pull down strongholds. They will cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He has given you weapons that will do battle in the spirit realm. They're powerful. And I'm going to show you in a little bit. They're powerful to do things in the spirit realm and to pull this stuff down and get rid of it. Uh, now, the, I want to talk to you tonight about the, the, just the weapon of worship or the weapon of praise. You say, Brother Ron, praise God from whom I... It don't seem like a weapon to me. Well, stick with me and let's look in Scripture and see what it says. All right, I want, you to, show, I want to show you in the Bible that, wep, that worship, praising God, is designed by God to do damage. It's spiritual. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Let's see this. Now, I've got to show you something in Matthew 21. And you're going, to have to, you're going to have to hang with me here a little bit. I don't want you to miss this. Matthew 21. If you'll hear what I'm saying tonight and see what God's Word says tonight, you'll say, so that's where that comes from, huh? That's why this is happening to me, huh? Well, now I know what to do about it. He's got an answer for every, everything we face. He wants to help us in everything we do. And... Uh, Matthew 21, we're going to look at a situation here. Matthew 21, 12. This is the day Jesus visited the local church. Matthew 21, 12. Jesus went into the church, the temple, and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Jesus goes in the temple and goes crazy. It, to them, it looked like it. And he began to kick preachers out, kick their tables over. He tore the place up. There's your sweet, gentle Jesus. Tore the place up. He said to them, it is written in the Bible, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've opened, now you've got the devil in here. It's a house of thieves. So that's what he said to preachers. This is supposed to be a place where people hear God and you've turned it into a, a haven of hell in here. I watch what that, now once Jesus got the religion out of the church, which is always a good idea, verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. All right, so once he gets the mess out of the church, people that are having problems can come and get help. They came in there and Jesus helped them in the church, which is what it's supposed to be. Now watch this. When the priests, now that's the preachers and scribes, saw the wonderful things he did. So what? The preachers are watching this guy and he's helping people. Watch what else they saw. And the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Does anybody know what indignant means? They were, I started, they were angry. <laughs> preachers are angry. What are they angry about? God's doing something, but what are they really angry about? These people crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, Hosanna to the son of David is a Hebrew phrase that means you have sent your son to help us. Thank you for sending your son to save us and help us. So you see, God straightens the church out. Jesus straightens the church out. People get help. What's the, what did we see last week? What's the response to God doing something for people? Praise God. And they begin to worship him and praise him. Hosanna, thank you, you've sent your son. Hosanna to the son of David means you've sent your son. So they're just praising God. They're excited about what he's doing. Why are the preachers mad about people praising God? I still wonder about that. All right, stay with me here, watch this. And uh, they said in verse 16, do you hear what these are saying? They, they said, do you, you hear what's going on? And Jesus said to them, yeah, yes, I hear what they're saying. Watch what he said to them. Have you never read? Now, when Jesus says, have you never read? What's he talking about? You never read the Bible. Remember, they didn't have a New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. And he's going to point them back. He said, yeah, I, said, I hear what they're doing. He said, have you never read in the Bible? And let's watch what he quotes to them. This is from the book of Psalm. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. 
All right, you got young. Now, again, babes nursing infants doesn't mean 18 months and under. It means humble people. He's, he's, the preachers are mad. So do you hear these people? They're praising you. They think you're the son of God. He said, yeah. He said, have you never read in the Bible that out of the mouths of humble people, God has, the better word is ordained. You know what he said? Yeah, God started it. Have you never read in the Bible that out of the mouths of humble people, God ordained worship and praise? God wants people praising him. He said, you never read that in the Bible, preacher? That God wants people praising him? And it did not go well from there on, the rest of the discussion. All right, we got a problem here. Please don't hold this against him, but Jesus misquoted the Bible here. Turn with me and look. Keep your finger here. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. Let's see if he said it right. Psalm chapter 8. Now Jesus quotes out of the Old Testament and he said, out of the mouths of humble people, God has perfected. And he said, praise. And he's quoting from the book of Psalm in particular. And I love the whole Psalm. It's a wonderful Psalm, but let's read the verse he quoted. Verse 2, Psalm 8, 2. Read it with me. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Did Jesus misquote it? You know, listen, Jesus knows the Bible because he wrote it. He didn't misquote it. Do you get it? The word strength here would be better translated power. Out of the mouths of humble people, you have ordained power. Why would Jesus put the word praise and the word power together? Think with me, man, because praise is power in the spirit realm. And, and they're, they're praising God and worshiping him. Listen, religious people always get mad about true passionate heart worship and praise. It bothers them. It bothers the spirit in them. And Jesus, they're all mad. Jesus said, yeah, have you never read Psalm 8 that God's doing this? And he quoted, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you've ordained praise. But if you go read it, it says strength or power. Now, why would God ordain praise out of my mouth to give me power? Let's finish reading Psalm 8, verse 2. Let's read it again. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained power because of your enemies. How many of you have an enemy? Why did God give you praise out of your mouth? One of the reasons is to glorify him and bless him. One is to bring the spirit. What's the third reason right there? Because you have an enemy. God created praise because you have an enemy. Now let's read the rest of it. Tell me what heart praise does to our enemies. Because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy. It is heart praise that shuts the mouth of your enemy. God created worship and praise so you could silence the enemy in your life. You say, Brother Man, I, I don't hear no enemy talking to me. Oh, yes, you do, day and night. And can you see, I just want you to get this. Can you see clearly, we don't just praise God because it's what we do in church. We praise God because he enjoys it. Number one, we praise him because it draws his spirit. But number three, I worship God because it silences the spirit realm around me. It flat shuts the mouth of my enemy. And praise is power in the spirit realm to silence our enemies and the junk that goes on in us. Um, can you pick up from Psalm 8 to number one, that you have an enemy? Listen, if you can't hear your enemy speaking to you, why did God say, I'll give you praise to shut him up? Praise silences the voice of the enemy. I'm going to prove it to you. I just want you to learn the, what the scripture says about it to start with here. But it silences the voice of the enemy. Now, I don't, I don't hear an enemy. Yes, you do. You hear it in your mind and you hear him in your emotions and you hear him in your feelings. And I'm going to go through a little list of things you'll hear. You know, you understand we're not talking about with your ear. We're not talking about him talking to you. We're talking about him doing things on you and affecting you. 
And I'm going to go through a little list here of things that you'll experience when your enemy is running his mouth or talking to you. Number one, <clears throat> fear. Fear is Satan talking to you. You won't hear a word, you'll feel it. And you'll get thoughts. The fear of failure, the fear of what other people think about you, the fear of the future, the fear of lack, not having enough money, things like that. You've got a hotline to hell at that moment. When those thoughts are in your head and you're entertaining those thoughts and you, you say, I, I just feel... Now, I'm not talking about the fear of a rattlesnake. That's a natural... That's natural. I'm talking about the fear of falling out of heights. That's natural. I'm talking about an unrealistic fear that your father has done covered. When this book says fear not, he means it. And when that, when you are, you are scared, I'm just scared my kid's going to get on drugs. You've got a hotline to hell at that moment. Your enemy's talking trash to you. And that is a demon spirit affecting you right then. And uh, listen, fear, is, fear is, the power, is the power of the enemy. Let me give you another one. Worry. There is no worry in the kingdom of heaven. How can you worry when you own everything and control everything? How can the almighty worry about anything? And he who told you never worry about anything will never worry you. People say, just the more I thought about it, the more I worried about it. Guess who you're entertaining? That's darkness. Messing with your mind. <clears throat> I think our culture, the counselors, they call it low self-esteem. Actually, it's called worthlessness. When you get feelings or thoughts of worthlessness, I, I, I can't, I'm just, I'm, you've got a hotline to hell. Jesus don't talk to people like that. Listen to me. You wouldn't even talk to yourself like that. That's the enemy. Messing with your heart. Messing with your mind. Let me give you another one here. Profane thoughts. Let me show you how, how, how evil my enemy is. He'll inject profane thoughts into your mind and then beat you up for thinking them. It's called condemnation. He can put thoughts into your mind and then, and then you'll, you'll feel like this. Look at you. Look at you. You got two. You got Mr. Profane and Mr. Condemnation. And then you start beating yourself up. If I'm a Christian, why do I think like this? Somebody's eating your lunch, dog. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, not even my flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. <laughs> they eat our lunches. Because we don't know what's, you know, if you don't, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Anger, anytime you got anger, you're dealing with a demon. God never uses anger. The wrath of man never works the righteousness of God. James chapter 3 verse 16 says this. If you have wrath, if you have anger, do not lie against the truth. This wisdom is demonic. Now tell me where anger comes from. What's covering our land right now? Listen, I, don't entertain anger. You're listening to the wrong voice there. <clears throat> hatred, of course, all hatred's from him. Listen to this right here. A critical spirit. A critical spirit's the very heart of Satan. If Jesus were critical, we'd all be in hell right now. Jesus is merciful. Thank God. And anytime you got that look down your nose at somebody, somebody's helping you look down your nose. Don't be, and listen, you know what the name of that spirit is? It looks down at people. Religion. It's a religious spirit that causes us to think we're better than somebody else to look down our nose at somebody because how they are. I, I ain't going after that. Hey, listen to this one. Hopelessness. When you just don't see, I just don't see how we're going to make it. Somebody's talking to you. Those, I'm, I'm going through this lit. You understand, this is your enemy and this is what praise is supposed to shut his mouth in silence. This is the garbage. And listen, you, you just be, you're a nice person. All of a sudden these thoughts just come in your mind. And then you, if you entertain them, guess what happens? 
Listen to what the Bible said. Give no place to your enemy. Quit giving him a place. You need to recognize that, you know, if a gangbanger started crawling through the window in my house, I'd say, well, I, I'm cooking popcorn. I'll check on him later. <laughs> We're going to deal with it right there. Right then and there. Me and Smith and Weston, all three of us going to deal with this thing. Everyone's, when them thoughts start coming into my mind or them emotions start coming, I say, <laughs> no, no, nay, nay, little lampshade, not today. Hit the door, Eleanor. Don't make me call the big guy. Doubt. I know the Bible says that, but I just don't really, you're in trouble. Somebody's messing with you. Is that not the first thing he ever said in the book of Genesis? Did God really say that? Listen, here's your answer. Dang right. That's Hebrew, dang right. Now listen to this one. I want to go to Isaiah. Let me just give you from Isaiah chapter 63. The Bible calls it heaviness. What do we call it? Depression. That's why the Bible said in Isaiah 63, excuse me, 61.3, listen to this. God has given me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why would you let him put an overcoat of heaviness on you? Praise that sucker off you. God has given you the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let me tell you something about heavy, the spirit of heaviness and, and weariness and depression. It is so on the land that I live in now, folks think it's normal. It, in the last 30 years, it has so slowly encroached on this land. I go out in public and I just look and I think, what's wrong with everybody? Lady told me in a checkout and she said, you sure are a happy fellow. I said, lady, I'm normal. I'm normal. Y'all are all depressed. That's true. Spirit of heaviness is on this land. Well, God's given us something for it. Let me do one more. Temptation. Anybody ever been tempted? Why you beat yourself up? That's not you. Listen to what Jesus said in the show. Listen to Matthew chapter 7. A good tree cannot, cannot bear bad fruit. The Spirit of God lives inside of me. That temptation don't come from in here. It comes from out there. And it don't come from my Father because He's pure. Lustful thoughts, temptation thoughts, these things that... Where do you think that stuff's coming from? Your adversary, the devil. Why don't we start believing what he says? All right, I just said all I'd tell you. He's talking to you. That's why the Bible said that he's ordained praise to do what? Silence that garbage. How many of you just like to turn all that crap off? Well, he's giving you the tool to do it. Heart praise silences or binds the emotions and the feelings and the temptation and the voice. It just, it just goes... There it goes. Heart praise does it. Look at me in Psalm 149. Psalm 149, and I want you to do this. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to say it. We've got we to teach, 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 and learn this stuff. You thought that worship was just something that us musically inclined people like to go around doing to irritate you. No. No, Southern Alabama's for no. Because worship blesses the heart of God. Worship draws the spirit to me and worship frees me from Satan's activity. It binds the powers of, you know, bind means put handcuffs on them, tie them up. They can't do anything. I want you to look at me this, I love this. Psalm 149, read this with me. Praise the Lord. By the way, what you see on the side of the word Lord there? Is it a period or is it an exclamation mark? Does anybody in this room know what an exclamation mark means? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all just fall over while we're doing it? 
My goodness, where did this passionless, lifeless country musicians get more excited about some cowgirl's rear end on Saturday night singing than we do about the Lord Jesus in church? <laughs> he is worthy. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with a dance. Sing praises to him. Terrible heart. The Lord enjoys it. He takes pleasure in his people and he'll beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Right, watch verse six. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That don't make a lick of sense. A song is a sword? Don't you understand? Can't you see it? You know, so when the, and it doesn't just say, I was sinking deep in sin. That is not the high praise of God. Amen. That's called farting around is what that is. That's right. I'm sorry. The high praises of God is passionate heart worship. Tell me, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a what? A sword. Can you make the connection? Come on, guys. You can make the connection here. Well, what am I going to do with that praise and that sword? Verse 7, <clears throat> to execute vengeance on the nations. Anytime you see the word nations in the Bible with a little n, demons. Nations is principalities and powers. They are the nations you will drive out before you. If it's a capital N, it's talking about Greece, Syria, America, Mexico, whatever. To execute vengeance on darkness, punishments on their people. Look at verse 8, to bind their kings. You remember Jesus talking about binding something? Bind means render powerless, to put handcuffs on somebody. You understand the scripture was telling me that the high praises of God in my mouth are a weapon to bind the powers of hell in my life. If something actually happens in the spirit realm when you move into what he calls high praise or the worship of God like this. Now, I like this right here. Verse nine, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. God's given me an honor. You know what the honor is? All right, what is the written judgment on Satan? Where was it written? It was written in Genesis 3. Do you remember when Satan came in the garden, tempted Eve to sin, she gave it to her husband knowingly, and then God came down and he didn't just judge it to him, he judged all three of them, didn't he? He told the man, this is what'll happen to you. He told the woman, this is what'll happen to you. And then he told the serpent, this is what'll happen to you. And he wrote his judgment of Satan in the garden. You can look it up, it's in Genesis 3. Listen to what he said. Because you've done this, because you've led them into sin, on your dust you will, on your belly you will crawl and you will eat the dust of the earth. But this woman will bring forth a seed, capital S. Talking about Jesus, thousands of years before he got here. And that seed, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That is the judgment on Satan written that he's speaking of here. This is Genesis chapter 3. Did that woman bear a seed one day? Was not Jesus the direct descendant of, of, uh, of Eve? All right, Jesus. Now, what did the Bible say Satan would do? to Jesus heal, he would bruise it. No doubt Satan has hurt the church of Jesus Christ. He has bruised, you know, we're the body of Christ, he's the head. No doubt Satan has bruised and hurt the body of Christ. It was prophesied we'd do that. But what did he say the body of Christ would do to Satan? What did he say Jesus would do? He will crush your head. This is the written judgment. I love Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will crush Satan under, not his feet, your feet. Now, what does Psalm 149 tell me? You want to do it? He says, I'll give you this. It's like, it's like the only person I want to see suffering eternity is Satan. 
I want to see him fry like bacon. <laughs> Payback. My worst enemy, I hope they make it to heaven, but I want to watch Satan fry and I'm going to stand there and I'm, going to, I'm not going to say praise the Lord. I'm going to say, no, 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 no. I hope he fries like bacon. It's sort of like if he were, you know what this is? This honor have all the saints. It's like, Brother Biggers, son, I'm going to put him in the lecture and bolt him down. Would you like to throw the switch? Yes, sir. <laughs> Give me the honor of throwing the switch on that sucker and watching him fry and split like a hot dog. Can I get a witness? Psalm 149, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. That's a two-edged sword in their hand. To bind their kings and execute on Satan the written judgment, this honor have all his saints. You understand what an honor it is to worship God? It blesses the heart of God. It brings the spirit to me and it flat busts Satan's chops. I don't know if I should talk about him like that. Where's the spirit of fear come from? Now, you don't mock him and taunt him, but I'm going to tell you something. We need to start saying what Jesus said and believe what Jesus said about this. I'm telling you, worship causes something to happen up in the spirit realm. It's just, it's wonderful. Now, you say, well, Brother Brown, I'm glad you taught me this. If, if, like if I ever get attacked by the devil, I know what to do now. Let me make an announcement. I, I'm known for carrying a pistol about everywhere I go. Sorry about that. A lady told me one time, said, well, if you had my faith, you wouldn't need it. I said, you keep your faith. I'm keeping my pistol where I live at. I'm happy. <laughs> got plenty of faith and I got a pistol too. Those two should cover about everything, shouldn't they? <clears throat> you say, well, who's after you? Nobody that I know of. I just live in a place where you're likely to get in trouble. All right, that was a stupid way to say this, but I don't wait for the enemy to get on me before I start praising. I'm going to get ahead of the curve. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. My feet never touch the floor till I'm praising God in the mornings. I'm coming out to shoot. I don't want him to say, I think we can get him, but I want him to say, oh gosh, he's up again. Dear ones, I, I'm telling you, this will free you from this garbage. God's given you this to free you from this stuff and to bless you with it. Now, here, here's the difference. Passionate heart worship. You turn your heart toward God. Again, last week, you don't have to have a great voice. You don't have to sing it well. You don't have to be on key. It's got to be the heart saying you are worthy. You are wonderful. That's passionate heart worship. There is something happens in the Holy Spirit when you do that. It's called anointing. And the anointing of God is on that kind of worship. Now, if you're monkeying around and you're singing... <laughs> I went with a, to a funeral. I had to go with a preacher friend of mine sometime back. He's worse than I am. He's a lot worse than I am. It was his group. I had to go. And we're sitting there in the very back, back row, packed. And there's about 12 people they'd gotten from a nursing home in the choir up there with robes on. And they looked so sick and pathetic while they, they were singing, He Touched Me. And I would have thought, if I'd have been a brain, if I'd never been a Christian, I'd thought, I hope he don't touch me. If that's what he did to you. <laughs> And now they're just saying, they look so terrible and it was so pathetic. I'm not being unkind, I'm just being ugly. And uh, <laughs> he leaned over me and he said, don't you wish you had what they got? That's all it took. Let me tell you what you don't do at a funeral. I, I love to laugh, but funerals are not where you laugh. <laughs> well, now I'm getting tickled. And then he's going on about this choir, an old gentleman about 80 some years old sitting right here beside me. And I'm like this, trying not to. He thinks I'm upset and I'm crying. So now he puts his arm around me and he's patting me on the leg trying to comfort me. I'm fixing to interrupt this funeral when I'm fixing to. But I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go into all that. But just, 
this piddling around, your heart's not even into it, just singing because it's time to sing. There's no power in that. That's not anointed worship. I'm talking about when your heart cries out to God. When you rear back and you let it fly, that is anointed heart worship and it's powerful. Now, there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit and it is so powerful. I mean, demons clean, clear the house. They can't be where God is. Fear. I've watched people hate each other's guts. I mean, hate each other for years. Be in a, a meeting somewhere. I've seen this happen a few times. Be in a meeting and somebody will start worshiping in the spirit. The spirit of God will come and I've watched both of them just break down in tears and run hug each other. You know what happened? Somebody got run off out of the room and the spirit of God came and changed the situation. But it was the power of worship that tore that thing up. The hatred and the wall between us. He's broken down the middle wall, Ephesians 6. Now, I want to show you that anointing on an instrument. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. Perhaps you've seen this before. But then with 1 Samuel 16, of course, I, I believe, and, and most people would probably agree, that the greatest worshiper in the Bible was David. David of Israel was the great worshiper. He wrote the worship songs in the Bible. And uh, he not only was a great singer, he danced, he led the people, but he was a great harpist too. And what he play, his harp is not what we'd call our harp today. His was a, actually it was a lyre, L-Y-R-E. It was a small hand-picked harp. But the touch of God was so on him that he could play this instrument and the power of God would so go out from that instrument that he was playing the anointing and every demon in the county just hit the road. He, he could break the stuff of this harp. I'm going to show you an example of this. And then I'm going to show it to you on the screen up there. First uh, Samuel 16. Look with me. First Samuel 16, verse uh, 14. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. You know who Saul was? Saul was the king, king of Israel. But he kept monkeying around and playing games and God took his spirit away from him. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now God didn't send it. God allowed it. And it's a demon spirit. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word is a tormenting spirit. And I've seen people that you can see it on their faces. They're just tormented, angry, hateful, painful. And this spirit is tormenting Saul now. And it's terrible. He can't function hardly with it. All right. <clears throat> Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit, tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants before you to seek out a man who was a skillful player on the harp. It shall be that he will play with his hand and this distressing, distressing spirit from the Lord, uh, from God is upon you and you'll be well. Saul said, go find somebody like that. One of the servants said, I I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, handsome, and the Lord's with him. Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who's with the sheep. Now, David's not king now. He's just a little shepherd boy. But he has sat out there on that hillside for years with God, learning to walk with God, learning to play this harp and learning to worship God. And the touch of God is so on him on this harp. And at verse 20, Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, skin of wine, young goat, sent him with by the son David to Saul. David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse saying, just let David stay with me. He's found favor in my sight. Watch 23. So it was whenever the spirit allowed from God was upon Saul, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in worship. Just the, the anointing of God is on this boy's harp. And uh, 
when this evil spirit is just tormenting soul. I've seen, and people that so, it's everything from just people being troubled all the way to where they're pulling their hair out. Just painful torment, mental torment. And when this thing's on Saul and he's so tormented, David could come in, just start playing that harp. And that evil would leave. And the Bible said a refreshing presence of God would come. You know, listen, if it's not refreshing and it doesn't refresh and strengthen your soul, it's not the Spirit of God. Acts 3.19, remember this. Repent so that the Spirit of God can come in times of refreshing can come to you from the presence of the Lord. And we begin, we learn how to worship God. And you got to learn this in the days we're living in. You need to learn this. You need to worship God till you learn to get in his presence to where he just, the power of God just comes and refreshes your soul and cleanses you. And of course, all that garbage you've been struggling with, the worry, the fear, the whatever it is, it just gone. Like you just, where'd it go? Gone. Because the presence of the Lord comes and it's gone. And that's what he speaks of here. And, uh, Anybody can worship God passionately and get in his presence. But there's certain people that God has chosen to have this touch on them and certain musicians. I'm going to show you one in a second here. Ask anybody in music in the Christian scene today, who's the most anointed, God-anointed musician in our generation? They'll tell you Phil Driscoll. You might have heard of Phil Driscoll. Very anointed musician, singer, trumpet player. And he's an old man that is much older than I am. I met him when I was young and I've always loved him. But, but when Phil plays that trumpet, demons leave the room even on video. It's just that powerful. It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when he plays that trumpet, something happens. The, I've, I've, uh, I've had people say this to me, Brother Brown, I'm going through a hard time, family stuff, and, and I just got up. I didn't even want to come to church this morning, but I came anyway. And praise God, I, I just feel so much better after I came. Yep. Wonder what happened. Nothing changed in your circumstances. Doesn't that tell you right there it wasn't your circumstances? That old cloud that was on you. It would knock the demons off your dishes when you got in there again to worship God. <laughs> got the boogers out of the house. Dear ones, quit putting up with Satan's garbage. Worship him all for you. I, I, we got time. I'm, I'm going to show up. Uh, tell you what, boys, if you would, Billy. Let her rip and then I'll finish. Put, put him up there. I want, I want y'all to just hear this. Just sit back and enjoy it.
<clears throat> All right. I, I showed you that. I now listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. You can do that. You ain't going to play the trumpet like that, but you can do that. Said, well, I can't sing like that. You missed the whole point. It, it wasn't the voice. Now, he's so old now. He, he can't play it like he could used to. And he, his voice is about gone. God ain't listening to your voice. He ain't listening to your horn or whatever it is. You know what that's called right there? That's warfare worship right there. That cleans the stuff out. You can't, uh, uh, what a mighty God we serve. That, they laugh at that. They don't run from that. You rear back and you worship like David worshiped. When he danced before the Lord with all his might, you rear back and you praise God. I mean, from way down inside of here and you'll, you'll sense. Now you got to start. The Holy Spirit's your helper. He's not your doer. You say, I'm waiting on him. He's waiting on you. I do this all the time. I get along. That's called behind the barn stuff right there. That's called in your car stuff. We really can't do it around people because it bothers people. So be it. I need help more than I need to impress people. I need help more than I need to impress people. I don't like listening to that junk. I'm talking about the darkness. And I get alone in it and it's sort of, you have to start out on your own, just praising God and worshiping. And then you build up and you build up. And all of a sudden you'll sense, I believe he just kicked in right there. And he joins with you. The Holy Spirit joins with you because once you get to going, then he's your helper. He helps you. And then you get to praising God and hollering and singing and worshiping and, and songs will just come out of you. Make it out of your heart, not your head. Songs come out of your heart. You didn't even know you remembered them. You remember every word because your spirit remembers everything. You begin to praise God and worship God. And you think, well, how long, you, how long are you supposed to do this? Once you get going, it ain't how long you get to. You don't want to quit. Just lift, just lift you right up into heaven, praising God. And I mean, you're talking about clearing the darkness out and then you finally, like you've got to be somewhere until you quit. And all of a sudden you'll just notice, you walk off, listen to me. There's a quietness around you. There's a peace you didn't have before. There's a sweetness around you. You just say, I didn't realize it was on me, but it's gone now. I said, man, I'm gonna do that and get rid of it every day, every day. It's like being in Vietnam with the wrong uniform on. Brace up, dude. We got to start taking this stuff serious. Listen, this power, the power of God's available to you. The power to silence your enemy and knock the junk out like that. But this mealy mouth, mild mannered, half alive American, Lord, if you don't mind, maybe we would, if it be as thy will, if you would, you ain't going to get nothing out of that. Son, with all your heart, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and just, and just rare cut loose. Uh, I would dare say from scripture, King David worshiped with all his heart passionately and his wife got so mad at him. She was so angry and she said, how the king distinguished himself today in front of the people like some kind of common man. She was so angry and she said this, how undignified did the king look today? She was mad. Proud people hate worship. Pride hates worship. Because you remember, out of the mouths of aristocrats no out of the mouths of humble people you've ordained praise to shut the enemy's mouth i've seen people worship god passionately i was in a meeting one time he was playing and half the crowd just got physically healed without even masking i mean just gone because of the touch of god well you can do this you need to learn how to do this all right listen to me experiment you know experiments don't the difference we have got to be seekers of god and quit sitting around waiting on something to happen seek you the lord 
Well, you say, is he in the back room? Is he in the bushes? He's in your heart. And you seek him with worship and you spare men. I double dog dare you. You know what double dog marriage is, don't you? If you got to drive to work, why would you waste it listening to some fool on talk radio? That was worth two. You got YouTube, you got a telephone, YouTube, get stuff like that and put it on and listen to me. Turn it up so loud that people are driving around you look. Amen. And, and listen, don't just listen to it, sing with it. And by the time you get to work, you'll be glowing in the dark. You wake up feeling like crap. Well, fine, I do. But I'm not staying there. I'm going to get under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm going to worship my way out of this mess and into his presence. But there's got to, I want you to listen to this. See what this sounds like to you. Jesus said this to those that were wanting his touch. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent have to take it by force. You want the touch of God, you got to get violent and take it by force. That doesn't mean you go wrestle with the Methodists. Holy, holy, so holy, Lord God Almighty. You got to go after it. I mean, you got to cry out to the Lord. Then that, you tell him, go back to hell where he came from. Jesus, the, the religious people said, do you hear them hollering like that? He said, yeah, you never read where God likes this. You never read where God started this. Worship your way to glory. And let me tell you something. I love living free. I love living without the garbage in my ears, the low self-esteem, the fear, the anger, the bitterness, the crap. I get tired. I got tired of listening to it. And I finally figured out, let me turn you off by turning him on. And you talk about just, we are designed to live by the spirit of God. And it is worship. It's the worship of God that brings us into his presence. I don't want you to do something. I'm done. I want you to experiment. I mean, if you want to. Now, listen. <laughs> if you like your demons, keep them. If you enjoy being miserable and afraid and nervous and scared and wondering what people think about you, God bless you. Stay there. You can go to heaven. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. A deal's a deal. But why would you want to hang on to the wing when you're riding first class, Doc? Get up there near the captain. Get up near the pilot and celebrate big time. We have, got to, we have got to resurrect worship in this land once again because of what's going on. I don't want to quit, but quoting a verse to you. What was God's favorite house? Does anybody remember? David's tabernacle. Somebody knew David's tabernacle. All right, there were a number of tabernacles built for him in the Bible. Moses built one. Remember, Moses built a beautiful tabernacle and they, it was a portable tabernacle. They carried it with them. Beautiful place. Solomon built the most magnificent building in history. Solomon's temple took 46 years to build. Magnificent temple. But of all the temples that God, now before, the, before Pentecost, God stayed in buildings. After Pentecost, he stays in our hearts. The Holy Spirit comes in here. But his favorite all-time building that people built for him, it was David's tabernacle. That was also the shabbiest tabernacle. It was built in Jerusalem after David became king. He brought the ark and he needed to put up something real quick because the ark was the presence of God, the ark of the covenant. And so they built this, it was called David's Tabernacle. It wasn't much more than a funeral home tent like you see over a gravesite. That's about all it was, made out of curtains, had poles. And they put the ark under there, but God said, that was my favorite house. The one he loved more than anyone else. 
Why was, his, why was the shabbiest looking house his favorite house? It's because of what went on in that house. It's not how well you can sing. It's not how smart you are. It's not how well educated you are. It's the heart. It's always the heart. And let me tell you what all they did in David's tabernacle. They only did one thing, period. When he built that tabernacle, he said, nobody preaches in here. Nobody makes sacrifices in here. That ark's going to be in here. We're only going to do one thing in here. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, we're going to worship God in this tabernacle. I want singers in here singing. I want dancers dancing in front of this ark. I want the musicians playing. I want the drummers drumming. I want the cymbals banging. I want people worshiping God in this tabernacle 24 hours a day. And that's what they did. And it, that was where the blessing of God came down on his people was the great worship time that David orchestrated. That's why he said, it's his so how do you know it's his favorite tabernacle? What does the New Testament say God's doing today? You can look us up in the book of Acts and they will raise a stem and it will come a day when I will rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. I'm going to set the house of worship back up. I'm going to bring powerful worship back to my people so I can bless it. I'm going to tell you something. Worship is the secret to the blessing of God on the life. See, we think it's learning. How's that doing us? How's that done us now that we can quote the book of Hezekiah? How many of you know any verses out of Hezekiah? Out of every fellow's looking. He's trying to find it. It's not even in there. We have so put emphasis on learning. How has a big head done us? God said, I will rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. Well, he's, don't go looking for it. Right here it is. Let him build the tabernacle of David in your heart. You make your house a house of perpetual worship from sunrise to sunset and watch what he does inside of there. And you know what I love to watch too? Now you're gonna think I'm weird because of this. I love the presence of God. I love for him to draw close to me and talk to me and touch me. I love to waller in the Holy Ghost. I know that, that may not sound spiritual, but I love to be close to God. Let me tell you what I love to do. I love to see demons rear ends. I'm not a pervert. I mean, I like to see them leave. Are you with me? I love to see them leave and I know how to make them leave too. Thou, O Lord, art high exalted above all the earth. They can't stand that stuff. It's like fingernails on a blackboard when you start worshiping God. And they'll try to hang in there for a little while and lie to you. You just jack it up a notch and pretty soon, if you listen in the speed, praise God, just stop real quick, listen to the spirit, you'll hear. Now I'm being silly, but I'm being serious. Why are we letting this mess go on? Why are we doing this? Can I give you one more word? You know I'm going to. Why do we demand that God do it our way? Why don't we let him help us his way? That was worth a lot right there. A man named Naaman was dying of leprosy. He was going to die. It was all over him. And he went and he asked for healing. He wanted God to heal him. He went to Elisha's house and he knocked on the door. He said, I've come to be healed by your God. He was a pagan. And Elisha didn't even go out. He just said, tell him to go jump in the river seven times. He heard that. He got so mad. He said he was furious and walked off. And uh, his servant came up and said, what? I thought you came to get healed. Why are you so angry? He told you what to do. He said, well, listen to these words. I thought, I thought surely he would come out and wave his hand over me and heal me. Does God have to do it the way you want him to? Why don't you let him do it the way he wants to? And he was so angry. He was, gonna get, he, was gonna, he was mad about the way God wanted to help him. 
well, can I point something out? Walk off, sucker, and die. He ain't changing. He's not like your mama. He won't fix you what you want if you don't like what she cooked. That's your dinner. And a servant came up and said, Master, if he'd asked you to do something great, you'd have done it. Won't you just do what the man says? And that servant talked him into trying it. And the Bible said that, that mighty, he was, the, he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for the country of Syria. He walked down there and the women were washing and watching this guy with all his medals. And he walks down there and he dunks his head underwater and he comes up and he said, do it seven times. Don't you know he felt like an idiot about number four, five, six, all the women washing, watching, washing and watching. <laughs> what is it about number seven in the Bible? That's the number of completion. That's when God, if you'll do what he says, he'll do what he said. And the Bible said he came up the seventh time and his skin was like that of a little child. He was completely healed. He almost died demanding that God give it to him his way. But when he did it God's way, what happened? How many of you would like for God to help you? How many of you would like for him to shut the... Well, have we listened to this garbage so long we think this is normal living? How'd you like to get rid of that junk? The fear, the anger, the the, the uh, addiction you just can't break, the crap. Won't you do it his way? He said, Brother Brian, pray for me. That ain't his way. You rear back and worship him. Worship God and praise him. And you magnify him. And let me help you with this. <clears throat> it's not like worship is this demonic stuff. It's not like Brill Cream. A little dab won't do you. <laughs> you got to be old to remember that. You remember Brill Cream hair, hair gel? A little dab will do you. A little dab of worship won't do you here. That's why when we do worship in our churches once in a while, about the time we get to the point where we're fixing to break through and, and break the garbage off people, we sit down. Come on. Yep. Dear ones, Come on. don't stop. I mean, you, you, uh, he said, beat those heirs against the ground. He beat them three times and the prophet got so mad. He said, if you had kept beating them, you would have completely whipped your enemies. But now you're just going to have three minor victories because you was messing around. Dear ones, you rare back. So the only song I know is Amazing Grace. Sing it loud. Rare, if you don't know one, make it up. Make it up. It, I'm telling you, don't matter whether it sounds right or not. It's the heart. I'm going to tell you one more. Now I'm done. I'm just one more. Me and a fellow named Billy, he said, I got a fellow works for me. And he had a, a shirt factory. He said, he works for me. He said, he's lost. Me and you're going to go witness to him. And I said, let's go. Went over and he was 28, 29 years old. Sunday afternoon. I remember that. We go over and talk to him and his wife. And Billy said, y'all want to get saved? He said, yeah. And so we all got down there and prayed. He got saved. And, and I said to him, is that your guitar? He said, yeah. I said, well, bring your guitar and play in church tonight. A little smaller church. I said, play in church. He said, I don't know Christian songs. I said, make one up. I said, you know Amazing Grace? Surely your mama taught you Amazing Grace. He said, yeah, yeah, I know that. I said, well, bring your guitar and sing it tonight. He brought it. He didn't know how to play it, but he knew the words. So that night we had Amazing Grace to Leonard Skinner's Freebird on the guitar. It, it's pretty good, really. Especially when he got to that long run. He said, we, we wouldn't allow that in this fancy church. God liked it. I'm going to tell you something. Rare back and praise your God if you want to live free. There ain't no sense in us living like that. Let's worship. Father, I want to praise you and thank you and bless you. The binders, the chains, the attitudes, the, the religious chains that hold us back. 
all through the Bible, people reared back and let their hearts out to God. David whirled with all his might before the Lord. The people worshiped you and praised you. The children cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. People reared back and worshiped in the Bible. Where'd we get all this half alive minor league? What's the least I can do for this great savior stuff from? I pray in Jesus' name that the chains of religion that bind us and cause us to wonder what other people are going to think, be free in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, you didn't mild-manneredly walk up that hill to save my soul. In agony, you drug that cross up that hill passionately for me. Can we not passionately worship you because of your goodness? You are worthy of our praise and our adoration. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, we open the eyes of our hearts to the garbage that's in the air. The things we believe, the strongholds, the lies we've been believing all our lives about us and people. The pain, the woundedness, the fear, the junk. Demonic in its nature. You called your people to be free. You said he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But you've given us the worship of God as the weapon that binds that stuff. And I praise you and thank you. Well, all we're going to do for eternity is rear back and praise you. Why not now? I pray in Jesus' name. Knock the pride off of us that would keep us from praising God with all of our hearts. I just want to praise you and thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. I pray for my friends here tonight. They've been praying over stuff and wishing over stuff and getting counseling over stuff and they need to be worshiping over stuff. I pray they will experiment with the worship of the living God and as your word says, draw close to me in worship. I'll draw close to you. I love to worship you more than I love anything on this earth. I love your presence. I love to be free. And I want people to live free. I trust you for that. Be glorified in our hearts and minds and lives. Jesus, you are wonderful. You are wonderful and worthy of all the praise. Ain't no way we could thank you enough and praise you enough for who you are. I give you the glory and praise and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.